for me. Turkey for you. Let's eat the turkey in my big brown shoe. Love to eat the turkey at the table. I once saw a movie with Betty Grable. Eat that turkey all night long. 50 million Elvis fans can't be wrong. Turkey lurky do and turkey lurky dap. I eat that turkey, then I take a nap. Thanksgiving is a special night. Jimmy Walker used to say, Dino my. That's right. Turkey with gravy and cranberry. Can't believe the Mets traded that. And welcome back to Unqualified Minds. I'm Jeffrey Keeble. And with me is Eric Byers. Good day, brother. Yeah, what's going on, homie? Nothing, just living my life today. Yeah, yeah, what'd you do? Got a, got a haircut. Yep, yep. Packed up the studio. Yes, we did. Going on site. Well, did I help pack it up? Well, that's uh, a reach. Yeah. You help pack it up in the same way that I help with the edits. <laughs> so like, very in, in spirit. Yeah, <laughs> I was with you, brother. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is a very uh, special podcast for us. Um, it's our first travel podcast. We're um, here down in the lovely Kashina, Wisconsin, on the Menominee Reservation, and uh, yeah, yeah, just gonna talk about uh, Thanksgiving and Native American Heritage Month. And AKA, well, not even AKA. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. We don't Where it belongs. It. Yes. Yes. So we have three guests in studio with us. Three terrific guests. I'm actually really proud to have uh, three people in the studio with us, uh, all of which are in the doctoral program at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay uh, for First Nations education uh, in no particular order. <laughs> Uh, to my right, Miss Stephanie King. Uh, further to my right, Mr. Ben Greno. Greno, sorry. <laughs> and Mr. Donald Cable. Who is a repeat podcast. Yeah, so thank you back, Donald. And uh, thank you for joining us, Ben and Stephanie. How was your day today? I'm doing well, thank you. Glad to hear it. Ben? Oh, Excellent. So what, uh, you know, first question, before you jumped in, how was Donald's day? <laughs> I'm doing very well today. Yeah, Thanks for almost forgetting well, me. <laughs> how could I ever? How could I ever? Uh, Donald's got me all messed up. <laughs> I saw his eyeballs get all... Yeah, he looks great at you, <laughs> yeah, bro. Marcus, I just wanted to look away. I'm like, I'll look at Stephanie instead because Donald's staring at me. It's different when you don't have the mic in front of your mouth because yeah. you don't... It's like you don't exist. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we know you're here, though. First, uh, first off, thank you seriously for saying yes to being on the podcast, it means a lot. Honestly, it's, it's not easy to get people to say yes to, you know, come on the microphone and, you know, go on record and just be themselves. It's, it's uncomfortable for some people. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Um, was your, 
did was there any hesitation in that or were you immediately like yeah, absolutely i'd love a platform to speak on well jigwa donald he, he asked and yeah he's, br- he's brother now so yeah for sure awesome yeah great thank you yeah and uh before we go on uh, can we get a little uh background on you guys um i mean whoever wants to go first uh our followers would uh like to know who you guys are Oh, Poso, Nuisun, Ben Greeno, Watnaway, and Akayan. Um, yeah, I, I've I'm in the uh, doctoral program. I'm also a traditional arts teacher at the Menominee Indian High School. Um, got the uh, 2019 Wisconsin High School Teacher of the Year. And um, congratulations! Hey, thanks, thanks. Yeah, it was the first time an Indigenous person uh, won the Teacher of the Year in Wisconsin. So it's it's starting to, um, I guess, open up some doors yeah, for other awesome. indigenous people. Yeah, that's great news. Poso uh, Sagoli, Stephanie King, Yago Gwali Ningets. I am also a student at the doctoral program. I currently reside on the Oneida Reservation. Um, I grew up in Kashina, though. So, um, member of both communities. Um, and currently work for the Oneida Nation as a um, curriculum development and program training specialist within cultural wellness. Thank you. My turn? Donald? All right. Thank you for acknowledging me. Bojo, Jiguan, Dijinakazm, Kohen, Dodem, Carter, and Dochpia. Again, been on here before, but my name is Donald Keeble. Um, I'm also a doctoral student uh, at UW-Green Bay with uh, Wachnaway and Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I didn't want to butcher it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm excited actually to be on, on, uh, on this podcast with my two fellow um, classmates, uh, Probably have the strongest relationship with these guys right here. Um, we got a lot of side conversations go on throughout our days and every day, so it'll be interesting conversation today. So, yeah. So I th- I think the first question I have before we get into uh, anything particular about the episode is just a little bit more about yourselves on maybe why you decided to join the doctoral program that you're in right now. Why is that important to you specifically, Stephanie? Um, Well, education has always been a passion of mine. Um, And when I first learned about the first education or First Nations education doctorate, it was a new um, kind of degree. And it really focused on a lot of the um, topics and aspects that I'm interested in on generational healing and wellness and um, focusing on how to better how I can better help our communities and so um, that's a big passion for mine is community education and um, uh, providing my skills and my knowledge in ways that um, is applicable and helpful to many different people so interesting thank you for sharing that I always it's always like a double-edged sword when I ask somebody like what uh, interests them or why they have like a passion for something because it always comes back as like a mirror and why I'm 
such a terrible person. I care nobody about nobody outside of myself. It's uh, it's interesting to hear like you cared about the community and stuff. That's fantastic. Uh, you're so, so much of a better person than I am. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, for, for the rest sure. of the podcast, I probably won't be able to look you in the eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I did not pursue this degree for the credentials. It's not like that. I'm not looking to be. Um, looked at in that light to as a doctor in that way um it was more towards um broadening my education and my understanding and just mm. how to further like I said further help people and and broaden my network too and it was great because I got to get to know Chiqua pretty well and like he said where we've become pretty close and so you know th- those are the benefits that's that's what I'm looking for definitely definitely um, yeah, for myself, I, uh, I just ran into Stephanie one day in the community and she's like, Hey, you should come check, check out this, uh, this doctoral, um, listening session here. And they were going to have it at the logging museum. She was telling me about how cool it is. And, and so I went and checked it out and, and put my own two cents in and, um, come to find out later and that, uh, that I was, I was interested myself and, and, um, <clears throat> kind of like Steph too, I, I, I feel like, um, yeah, I, I never, never wanted to like kind of pursue a, a doctoral, um, degree. Uh, I never really thought there was a, a, that much of a need for it, you know, and, and I didn't want to go into debt. And, um, <laughs> it's too late now though. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that, that we as, as indigenous scholars, um, we have the responsibility to, to take it to the limit, I think, you know, as far as we can take it. And, uh, you know, the kids that, that I work with, they, they see that they, they see that we're, um, doing good things and that, and that we are, um, doing our homework all the time and studying and, (laughs) 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 but it's right. She's right. The, uh, the conversations we're having, um, as a, as a cohort are, um, have, have kind of changed my whole outlook on, on education, on indigenous education and on what it means to be an indigenous person. Mm. And, um, and I apply it. I, I, I was, I'm always looking for ways to apply it. And I have the, almost the same conversations with my students on a different level, mm. but, but the, you know, thinking about all of these different things that we're talking about, it's, um, it's really a great opportunity to, um, to engage a community in, in, um, I guess some higher level thinking and, and thinking about who we are as indigenous people and, and our own identities. And, um, yeah, definitely. That's definitely super interesting. And, and that was totally unset up there, but it was, it's actually pretty interesting to see how you know, Stephanie, when you talked about like, you know, educating yourself to look towards like educating others and stuff and, and involving more of the community. And then literally right after that, you acknowledging that it was basically Stephanie who got you looking doing doing that program already. It's like almost a realization in real time for you to like, you know, I know you're still in the program and you're still working towards it. And that's something that won't end, but here you've already made an impact on one person who sits right to you. Yeah, right absolutely. Now. Wow. Donald. Well, walk noy contact me. <laughs> no, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Trick dream. Trick, yeah. I had a dream oh, that Walk told me. Stephanie. I like that. 
<laughs> but no, for real. Um, I was always uh, around, you know, especially UW Green Bay. Um, so I, I was always hearing rumors about this doctorate program that uh, was going to be made. And I'll be like, ah, you know, I don't know if I need it or not. You know, I, I'm already, the way to help my community is to be inside the community and, you know, build those relationships with the, with uh, community members and the kids and everything. And I knew that was where change really had to happen. But uh, eventually uh, I was doing a workshop with a school district, a school, uh, and, uh, and I was telling them why they think that there was some stuff in the book that I had highlighted out. And we were doing like uh, how to, how if you open up a book, how can you tell if it's a, a a good book for the kids or it's a inappropriate book for the kids. And I'm like, what makes this person, um, why would you just already make this person, um, feel like he knows already what he's talking about. And they're like, because he's got those three letters behind his name and it was a PhD. And then I said, so if I told you that it wasn't right, um, what would you think? He was just like, you're not, you're not a, you don't have a degree. You don't have a PhD degree. So I'm like, so you're telling me that if I have a PhD degree and I write down on a piece of paper, you're going to believe what I say? And he was like, yep. So I mean, that kind of pushed me a little bit further because when I do get this degree, I'm going to go find this individual and I'm going to write some stuff on a piece of paper and say, can you believe me now? So. A little bit of spite okay. there, but okay. <laughs> just, just, a, just a modicum, yeah. a modicum. Yeah, of just spite. a modicum. But I, you know, all in all, I knew what I was walking. I was really excited. I knew that this would uh, be able to further my education and even my knowledge with uh, uh, with better opportunities, seeking out better opportunities with uh, for my community, not just my community, but other communities that that surround Wisconsin and wherever I may choose to go after this degree. And I know that there's a ceiling that is above our heads. And, you know, I knew this was one way we can break through that ceiling is if we pursue our education and, you know, and we were brought up, you know, my brother could uh, attest to this, that, you know, education was very important and it was something that my parents kind of instilled in us and, you know, something that my grandma and them, couldn't really do so it was important they always said education 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 you need to help out your community and this is one way we need people to have voices outside of community because a lot of times our voices we don't have voices outside our own community so um i know that when i get this degree ain't gonna i'm not gonna it's not gonna mean mean much in my community because i still seek the community for knowledge and all that but at the same time, it's uh, you know, I got I'm getting already a lot more than I ever expected from listening from you know stories and uh, things that you know Stephanie and Walking Away have to share just in class and with the rest of the cohort. It's really empowering and it's a very uh, um, it's a place that you know I can't describe because there's great things going on in there and it, it's a lot of hope that. I wish people could see that goes on in that in that room that where we gather at mm-hmm. for class. So, well, definitely, and it sounds like you're all three very passionate, and you know, with the community involvement that you'll take place, it sounds like in no time, I'm sure, 
you'll be able to bring those lessons that and those uh, things that are happening in those classrooms and, and make a, a physical and positive impact on your community. So, um, you know, it's, it's, this will air the day before Thanksgiving and uh, whether or not everybody will listen to it that same day. Um, it'll be the holiday season around Thanksgiving, you know, as doctoral program students and native American citizens, could you, share with us some of your thoughts on feelings on some of the teachings that you uh, experienced maybe as a, a youth about Thanksgiving and maybe some of the things that you've learned now since in your uh, adulthood about uh, Thanksgiving and maybe some of the discrepancies, et cetera. Um, I guess before we go into that, can we just uh, ask like, how do you guys celebrate Thanksgiving first? Yeah. Good question. So I if I if I if you guys don't mind, I'll go first. Right. <laughs> no, so like for me, Thanksgiving is just um, you know, in school you learn about, you know, the pilgrims and Indians, if you will, come together, feast. Well, <clears throat> it's more of like more family time for me. Um, you know, holidays is where you really get together and spend time with family. And of course, you think about the turkey, you know, corn, you know, the traditional foods that happen on that day more than anything, if if, if that's even true. Um, but no, I mean, for me, it's more about just getting together with family and, you know, just enjoying each other's companies at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of how, like, I think about celebrating Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, so... That's about it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping someone was going to start jumping in. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I'll piggyback off that. It's similar within my family. It's, um, you know, it's like you said, it's a time for gathering, um, a time to come together and, and, and be with each other. This time of year is um, busy. Uh, you know, it tends to be busy. Um, a lot of people are are working and in school and um it always seems like time goes by so fast I don't know why November seems to just like disappear before you know it it's Thanksgiving um but yeah it's really it's really about gathering and coming together and and being with people and and um being with your family and a lot of times within my family it's not just our immediate family right it's extended family it's friends it's it's always different. There's always different people that are coming to the table. There's there's your same family, but there's it's different every year. It seems like there's different relatives that are in town. So that's one thing that I appreciate appreciate about you know this time of year is um, really getting together with that and renewing those relationships and having that time for stories and sharing and coming together around food and really focusing on um, that that place and um, that, those relationships and just reminding ourselves of the significance and the importance of, you know, family and, and your people. And a big part of that is teasing, right? Oh, Somebody's yeah. always oh, in the hot seat. Gosh, yeah. Holy man. <laughs> Usually the one that's uh, just single, recently <laughs> single. <laughs> Where is she? Yeah. Where is he? <laughs> 
It's opposite. Oh, no, but I won't say oh. that. <laughs> Usually there's a new one sitting yeah. at the table yeah. every Thanksgiving. <laughs> Send them in the kitchen with the aunties. <laughs> Hey, what's her name? Yeah. Oh, what about that one last year? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, for, for us, it's it's also family, you know, extended family and, and getting everybody together. And uh, we do, like, board games and stuff like that. And um, it's really nice. It's uh, it's it's something that, that, that we do. And, and it's, it's hard. It's really hard to get extended family together a lot. Uh, we used to do it a lot for uh, grandpa's birthday. Um, but since grandpa's passed on, you know, that, that, um, that gathering of the family has been passed down too, you know, and, and among my, my dad and, and his brothers and sisters, you know, everybody kind of takes turns on hosting and everybody comes over and does, you know, potluck style. And, and we try and do quite a few, uh, indigenous dishes and, and try something new every year. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, kind of a, a mix, you know, where we're, you know, we, we, well, indigenous people and, uh, and we're also contemporary, you know, and we're also very much in the Western world. And so, you know, we got the football game going on and, you know, do things that typical Wisconsin families do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, you know, same with everything else. Uh, you know, there was a time where I was questioning, like, why do we celebrate? Thanksgiving, Christmas, and all these other holidays. Because, you, you know, once you know, the, like, the true history of stuff, you kind of like, why do I do this? Why is it this day? And and all that. Um, you know, I still do that uh, just for the fact that, uh, you, you know, like Waknoi said, like, with his grandpa, you know, I remember how important this was for, you know, my grandmas and grandpas when we would all get together and they'd just sit there and watch us you know, tease each other, you know, they would yell at us if we were being teasing too much and, you know, there's wrestling and everything going on in the living room and, you know, you got all the aunties, you know, probably talking dirty in, you know, in another room and, you know, so there's this big old environment that's going on um, and that's, that's the main reason, like, you know, everybody's busy these days and we all can't get together and, and uh, like it was, you know, Back then, you know, when families all lived together in one house where it was a normal thing. But uh, I know that uh, in the past few years that I've tried to make it more, have some type of ceremony involved in it. So, you know, especially on Thanksgiving, I usually come down here to Zor for for a ceremony and spend a day here. And then and then I'll usually, after that's over, then I'll head up, I'll go home and see whatever dinner's happening and I'll pop in there and and uh, let the kids tease me for a little bit and <laughs> and get some of that spam casserole and hot dog soup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. What about you, brother? For me, yeah. it's about Black Friday shopping. Uh, <laughs> I have a shopping addiction. For the listeners, they already know that. Yeah. Uh, no, it's very similar. It's a, I mean it seems like it's almost impossible for the family to come together outside of a holiday forcing the action. So for me, I'm actually from a family perspective, I'm really grateful for the holidays, uh, that, that exist. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thankfully, <laughs> yeah. thankfully, sometimes, sometimes thankful. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, it's for me, it's, 
it's it's honestly it's the part that's really important to me is less than about the specific holiday itself and more about just the family interaction. I mean, honestly, like it might be Thanksgiving or it might be Christmas. It doesn't matter like what the specific thing that brought us together. What matters to me is like in the moment that we are together and that we're playing games or watching something together or being around each other because that just doesn't exist anymore. You know, once once your siblings grow up and if you grow up as with like brothers and sisters like I did, you know, and everyone moves away, that's just done and it's kind of over. And then the only time you ever get that true childhood experience back is through the holidays, I feel like. And so that's where, that's where I get excited for the holidays. Yeah. Uh, and, and it doesn't always happen that way, you know, that not everybody can be there. And, and some of the stuff you guys mentioned earlier too is like, new members to the family, you know, coming in and being a part of that. That's always interesting. <laughs> uh, board games definitely in my household. Uh, everyone wants to dominate. We, that, it seems like everybody in my family is a bunch of winners. So when we come together, there can only be one. So we going to walk out of there. And that's, uh, that's a pride you can wear all the way until next year. <laughs> uh, yeah, but... Uh, Speaking of Thanksgiving and, you know, it's um, kind of wanted to shed some light, like, to the truth of Thanksgiving. Um, like I said before, what we learned in high school and grade school and everything, you know, how much truth is behind that history, if you will? Hmm. You know, it's... um it's it's been so skewed for for so many so many generations of, of what that actually was. Um, I'm I'm just thinking about this picture that a friend of mine has of her of her niece um, sitting with her class, um, a Menominee girl, um, and dressed in her uh, in her regalia, and and all the other kids around the table are are in the paper Indian outfits that they make in school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm trying to understand what, what that, that, that pilgrim and, and Indians coming together and, and it's none of it's real, you know, it's, it's, it's totally fake. And, um, the only real thing was, was that little girl. And it was, it's, it's a powerful picture. I wish, wish your viewers could see it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Listeners, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jeffrey, maybe uh, to follow up on your question there, if you could kind of paint a picture of what you're specifically, you know, what's in your mind when you think of like, you know, what what do you believe is in the typical mind of the average American person when they think of traditional Thanksgiving, you know? Well, I mean, like I said, back in high school um, when or even grade school and when we were learning about it, you know, um, you know, it's a pilgrim off of, uh, what rock was that? Um, Plymouth. Plymouth. Yeah. Plymouth, Plymouth. <laughs> you know, and the pilgrim coming, coming in from the water, the, the ocean basically with their boats behind them and having a dish for the native Americans and, you know, the native Americans, you know, vice versa, uh, you know, they had the woods behind them, mm -hmm. you know, and they came together and, and feasted you know i mean just you know my first question was always when i was a kid i was like how good was that dish if they had it prepared 
eight months ago when I left. <laughs> I mean, that was a long boat ride. Yeah. I mean, different modes of transportation than we got now. I hope that's some good Tupperware. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's what, that's the stuff that, you know, I was taught in high school. You know, if it wasn't for my brother actually taking the First Nation study, you know, half the stuff that I know now, you know, was oblivious to me. You know, I was naive, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I knew nothing about Native American history, just about what they taught in school. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like I said, again, you know, thank, I'm very thankful for these guys, you know, pursuing their education into this and opening up a lot of eyes, if you will, you know, to the real history of Native Americans, you know, not what is portrayed in the school books. I, th- I think on the other end, too, what I'm thinking about when, Y'all were talking was um, every year they play that Charlie Brown Thanksgiving on TV. So it's not even just in the schools. It's a lot of it's in our media and our movies. And that Charlie Brown cartoon is old, right? So that's been viewed on TV for generations. And that storyline is not accurate, you know, but that's what's continued to be told and continued to be portrayed so um i think about it in that way too it's it's not just in our schools but it's bigger than that and it's portrayed in all aspects of our schools and our media so and you you think that you know in 1620 when they when they landed that it's it's not this plush um fertile land that they talk about it's like like post-apocalyptic uh death you know and and I think that what they were really thankful was for like all the storage pits and things that that, that the natives had been had been collecting and that were just kind of open for them now and that they could just kind of plunder and and pillage what whatever was uh, there. You know, thinking about ninety to ninety five percent of our population was decimated, you know, probably by the time that they uh, that they landed. <laughs> don't worry you take that silence all right yeah <laughs> that helps out a lot yeah and just i apologize i'm still thinking about what my brother said what rock was that oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a good one but uh yeah i mean i think where, where it's at and today why it's so important about this history is just kind of like what we all talked about. It's still like in the schools, you know, it's, you know, I, at least for me, you know, this whole October, November month is usually real big because um, so many other, you know, you can see that, the, um, see that true history is starting to, to come to fruition there because you could, I start every year, more teachers are reaching out and, and asking like, is this book appropriate? Can we do this? Can we do that? Whereas, before they were coming from like upset, upset parents and, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, now it's like teachers reaching out and, you know, and it's, um, it's frustrating year after year that, um, you know, you see kids, you know, making their belt buckle hats and, you know, you see kids wearing their feather head bands and, and all that. And, <clears throat> and, you know, person for me is like, that's, it's not even true, you know? I mean, so you, you raise a good point, though, that it might poses me to ask the question to you guys of, you know, 
now you're, you're starting to see some of the teachers kind of reach out because they know that you're available, right? Where, you know, some, you know, that resource may or may not be available to every teacher, but a lot of what teachers do are just, you know, moving curriculum that's set in books forward. So, you know, it's like, you know, you know, McGraw Hill is like a major um, publishing company for education. They, they move a lot of school textbooks and they're publishing this as, you know, written fact, if you will, you know, where's the responsibility lie here? You know, it's like, you know, is it a, is it a publication problem or is it a teacher problem or is it just an educational system problem? It's pretty deep. Um, right. That's, there's so many levels. Yeah, that. Right. yeah, exactly. I think it's all all in one because, you you know, if you go back to the publisher, you know, where's he from? You know, Texas, you know, and what kind of environment is Texas? And it's some uh, white, rich billionaire that's making all these these textbooks. And I believe that they make like 70 or 80 percent of all the textbooks that are provided in schools. So it's like, you know, just the place that it's coming from and the uh, ideology that where it's coming from is you can kind of see, you can see that attitude throughout all the textbooks, mm-hmm. you, you know. Don't they try and, uh, and schedule the Cowboys versus Redskins every year on Thanksgiving? Yep. Yeah. So it's like stuff that like that you look at, you know, it's all, it's always one against the other or, you know, one, you know, we're savages or we're the aggressor or... Or they always have to put these labels, these uh, adjectives on, you know, people. Like I was reading this this article the other day about Iroquois people and Potawatomi people. It was like the war-loving Iroquois going against the loving nature Potawatomi. And it's like, you know, and then that's what people get in their heads right there that, you know, Iroquois are, are aggressive and Potawatomis must be hippies or something, you know, all fun loving, <laughs> you, you know, and it's like, aren't you? It- <laughs> Honestly, my mind was I'm racing graceful. too. He said that. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's all that. And then you put it in a system and it's like, you want to change a system. And, you know, the number one thing is why the teachers are coming to to people like us, like as educators, is just for the fact that, you know, they're having issues with their their um, administrators or principals and all that. And it's like it has to go to all these levels. And sometimes it is a, another teacher that's upset with another teacher, what they're teaching. And, you know, so it's just this big systematic issue overall. And who has say, and, and again, and I think that's one of the most, imp- another reason why we're all pursuing this doctorate is because then we'll be, we'll be academically recognized in, on some level and we'll, we'll finally might have some say into some stuff on what's published and what's not correct and everything. So, I mean, we're, we're going even into that environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, it brings up an interesting perspective because, like you said, there are teachers out there that want to learn and want to teach in the right way, um, but maybe don't always have the appropriate resources either because 
a lot of our books are written by non-Native people. And so it's also making it clear um, resources that are best for them and how to best, you know, get that knowledge out there mm-hmm. and make it clear. So it it's it's a complexity problem because it's a publication issue and it's also like ignorance because you know not everyone knows exactly the truth, that, that's you a, know that's and, a and knows point. where to go for the source and and what to trust right because um like you said before if you have those little letters behind your name that's what they're gonna go with mm-hmm. so you know they're gonna pull from those authors whereas maybe a traditional story by one of our elders is more applicable and and more um, appropriate for that type of teaching, but they don't they don't understand that. That's a great point that you bring up. It's just a just a just a raw ignorance on any particular topic, not not just Native American studies or or, or Native American cultures, but just if I'm an educator and I have a particular ignorance. You know, it could be because of my education, right? That those who educated me could have then instilled the same ignorance, you know, uh, into me. And now I, I'm just being the best educator I can be. But inside of that, I don't even know that I have like a missing link of piece of information. So I'm just going about my day thinking, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on my way to be down a path of, you know, doing good things. And turns out, you know, it, you know, I feel like uh, man, as, a, as an educator, you know, my heart would kind of go out to those people who are putting their all into doing that thing. And then, you know, that turns out they're spreading misinformation. You know, you'd kind of, you'd, I'm sure, you know, educators are a special group of people. They would, you would assume they would feel pretty bad about, you know, coming to find out about something like that later on. As like, if I, if I were to tell you something right now and then we leave away and now you're out in the wild, you know, spreading what I've told you. And then I come to find out six months down the road that that's wrong. I'm like, Oh man, how many, I told you, I know you're in the community. How many people have you told? Now I've just spread a small wildfire and I'm just like, how do I retract all that? You can't, you know, you'd have, you can't go the backwards way and get that all back. So it's a, it's an interesting dynamic there. Uh, on that same topic, uh, you know, I had a, a follow-up question because we just had, uh, um, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up, and that's inside of what was uh, deemed as American Indian Heritage Month in the 90s by Bush, I believe. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a great history study, but I believe <laughs> it was the eldest Bush who, who, who coined that term. Um and there's some other con- uh, more recent controversy around that. But my first question was, how do you guys feel about the specific title of that from the early 90s of American Indian Heritage Month versus Native American? You know, the the subtle difference um, between American Indian and Native American, you know, a very clear difference there, though. But, you know, sounding like the same thing. It raised another question in my head is how come I don't know, how come ours is American Indian Heritage Month and February's Black History Month? Why is it different? Hmm. You know what I mean? I just I never thought of that before until just now. Right. So we're wh- talking about this. Like significance why did they use, why didn't they history, use the right? color like they did in February versus well, like African American? I feel like it's um, 
So it doesn't address the historic aspect, right? And mm-hmm. it's still, it's still kind of, it doesn't make us real. Right. Like mm. American heritage, you know what I mean? They're not talking about our history still. It's a lot of it revolves around culture. It ends up becoming this put beads and feathers on right. an activity. It's it's putting month. us into a stasis, right? And, yes. And, in heritage and in and, and meaning that it's it's only way back in the 1600s, you know, 1620 when they first encountered us, you know. It's not about all the history and, and who we are now. It it needs to be. And I I don't know, I, 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 I kind of have a problem with, with thinking about it in just a month. Right. Because there's nothing. Right, I absolutely. Mean, and I think that's what I was kind of getting at. Mm-hmm. It's like, why do we have to allocate a month towards this? It, right. It's, it just... How do you feel like, do you feel like other Native Americans would play devil's advocate and say, well, at least we're getting recognized. There's only 12 months to go around for a recognition. February's out. It's Black History Month. I don't know what every other month has got going on for them, but I mean, now they've given one to, I think, Breast Cancer Awareness Month is a thing now. And and, and some of the months share dual responsibility. There are a whole bunch of things, actually, if you look it up. You know, January will be the month of a hundred things if you really dig into it. Yeah, but they teach their history year round. So mm-hmm. you know what right. I mean, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there as in the in the colonized, yeah, colonized history. Yeah. And I think that the, you know when it probably first was made in the nineties, it was probably a real big deal. But I think we we just became stagnant, and it's just this month, and it never grew to anything bigger. And I think the nice thing about it today is I think our kids are starting to realize that. And, um, like, I've had kids like, why do we only get one month? And they're starting to internalize it to where, like, why do they only want to know about us for one month? Why only out of one month can we hang up, you know, art or have our pictures up or or anything when we're part of this school almost all year round? We're involved in the sports. We're involved in this and that. And... um you know, why do the, why did just my moccasins describe me as who I am today? How come they can't put me up in my uniform as a basketball player or football player or whatever? Right. And, um, you know, this was a couple of years ago when a, a student actually went up and spoke like, I want my stuff up all year round then if you guys are going to do this only for one month. And uh, I was proud of that student, but uh, she also got some pushback from administration and, and all that and. You know, she got, you know, we had to sit down and talk to her and say, you know, this is a fight that we're always going to have, you know, and, and, but we're here with you, you know, we'll help you. And, you know, she's a strong, strong human being right now. And, you know, she's doing good things and, you know, but we're at a point where we're outgrowing that. And um, I think more needs to be done than just one month. I, you know, for me, it's like, oh, it's Native American month. I'm like, oh, what? What about last month? You know, I wasn't here or what? <laughs> you, know? you were there. They just weren't recognizing exactly, it. Exactly. You know. But they can't, it, every month can't be Native American month, they would argue. What would you say to that? Why not? Yeah. Oh, because they've already given February to blacks. So <laughs> they can't take that away. Well, traditionally we had 13 months. Yeah. So we'll, do, we'll take that 13th month. That's the secret month. You got to be in the club to know about that. That one's year round. I like that. <laughs> what do you, how about the, how about the, any, any interesting insights on the, the verbiage, you know, uh, 
Native American versus First Nations versus just Indian versus um, American Indian? Well, do, do yeah, any, any one of those make you feel a certain way? If I were to call you one of those versus one of the others, or if somebody, you know, if the government were to call you one of those versus the other, you know, we've we've been dealing with that for our entire lives, and um, you know, Native American, American Indian, um, personally, you know, I I Mamache Tawak, right? I'm, I'm the original, uh, uh, you know, the, the ancient mover. Um, that's that's our original name for our people, and not very many people know that. That you know, we've always been known as the Menominee. But um, you know, if if we're going to be labeling, I, you know, you, you could even think of calling us, you know, Pamatasewok, you know, as Indian people or or, or you know, human beings. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I everybody has their own idea. In Canada, it's First Nations and uh, Alaska Natives and um, you know, we're, 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 I, I guess indigenous people to, to, you know, Turtle Island or the Americas. And I guess, depending on, on, on where you are in America and depending on, on, on the colonized language that you, that you speak and, um, you know, English, Spanish, you know, French, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always going to be some kind of a term for, for who we are. And I think that we really need to, um, to own that for ourselves and, and think about ourselves and as, as very distinct um, nations and um, not kind of an an homogenized people because we're not, we're so different. Even, even just sitting around the table here, we're, we're extremely different. Although we have a lot of similarities um, speaking our, our, our language um, is, is probably one of the, the, the main um, distinctions, um, that we have. And, and that doesn't mean that, that we, we are, are, are totally different that we, we have, um, we have those trade languages. We have those, those, those words that we share in common. We have the sign languages. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I, I have a hard time with, with trying to, to, uh, to label who we are. Yeah, and I think context plays a huge part in it because, you know, when you think about American Indian, those are those are the legal terms that the government recognizes, mm-hmm. right? And so that's why that term is so profound because those that's like the legal term. That's how you self, not self-identify, but to the citizenship, that's how they, you know, identify. So context plays a huge role in all of that. But like Watnawe said, it comes... You know, basically, they're all colonized terms. And the important one, or I don't know if it's important, but for me, the significant one is, you know, like he said, Lonoshoni, Oneida, the people who we are, you know, identifying that original, you know, those original words um, and, and using that language and pulling from those original <clears throat> teachings on who you are. Um, but context plays a huge part in that because not everyone's going to understand what that means, what that word comes from. And, um, like I said, if you're in the, in the, like, if you're a lawyer and you're in the courtroom, you're going to use American Indian because that's, 
that's the legal term, right? That's the federally recognized term. But, and then again, within everyone, it's different because some people prefer indigenous over American Indian, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so uh, it's, it's very, um, it's, it's up to everyone's personal sovereignty, what they want to, you know, go by and what they want to be recognized by. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I've definitely, I've been personally asked where, you know, somebody will say this is my, this is my Indian friend when introducing me to somebody else and then go, oh, should I have said Native American or indigenous or, I'm like, and I'm just, I don't care what you say, to be honest. It doesn't, you know, like me personally, you, that labeling doesn't affect me in any way. It's not going to affect me. You know, it's not going not gonna to hit my psyche at all. Wasn't going to feel about it. And, uh, you know, you're not hitting me in my heart at all. It doesn't matter. You can just call me Eric. That's fine. Uh, you don't even have to mention that I was Indian unless you're going to make a specific point about, you know, showing off that, you know, one, right. uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm on the same, I'm, I, when I get asked, asked those questions, because you know, that question gets, uh, brought up a lot when I work with, uh, educators. Well, they're just, sometimes they're just trying to be respectful, right? Yeah, like no, they, just, I, they, they honestly are. They're just like, what you know, what do we refer to Indian people as, you know, as a Native American, Indigenous First Nations? And I'm like, just call them by their name, yep. you know? Who, you, you know, you don't have to label me. and well, you know, Because they'll be like, what do we, you know, what do you want to refer as? And I'll be like, Donald, you yeah. know? And I'm sure this is not unique to race in general, right? Because, you know, black people... <clears throat> also struggle with is it african-american or is it uh um there's another more like pc version of african-american now i can't even think of it but you know and then it's the same thing with white people they're like well i'm actually german i you know so i want to be i want to be go below my skin color like and go to my nationality because that's kind of what you're doing you're speaking towards a nationality and not towards a skin color right but we don't say caucasian american we don't No, because, you know, you know, in America, the society already implies the American piece towards the Caucasian piece, regardless of if they're a German immigrant, you know, they could be fresh, freshly like going through immigration right now as a German citizen trying to become an American citizen. But it, you know, the, in the society we grew up in, it kind of seems like that's already implied, you know, it's there versus like, uh, you know, uh, Asian American versus like just calling somebody Chinese, which who might even just be a Lao person anyway, right. you know what I mean? That's so I think in race in general, probably, probably struggles with that same thing. And it's like, well, who am I to speak for my, you know, the entire group of people, you know, it's like, you know, what a responsibility that these people are actually bringing on to you by asking you that question. It's like, how do I refer to you, you know, as a people? I'm like, well, who, who, who do you want to talk about? Me, me, males, male, um, Oneidas, male uh indians like as a whole uh that's like how how many millions do you want me to incorporate in my answer right now i could talk for one millions 100 million you know tens of thousands so i can't i don't feel like it's safe for me to give an answer to say like well you should be saying native american because then what happens you know stephanie doesn't like native she prefers indigenous people now they're out there offending her so I, I think it's kind of, it's a, it's a tight situation. I always, so I'm just, if you're ever uncomfortable with anything, just ask somebody. Yeah. 
or just ignore that portion of it because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Right. Right. <laughs> Wait, everyone looked yeah. at Father, yeah. Father yeah. Donald yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Verify all this. Yes. Uh, um, if, if you guys don't mind, can we... Um, we were talking about like who we are as, as native people, if you will. Um, so I was, I had a question a long time ago about, you know, I wanted to talk to Donald about, um, but he, I don't know if he really knew how to answer it. I don't know if we're really going to answer it today even, but how, cause like in the history books we're we're history. You know, we, they perceive us as we're already gone. Like we're not here living in the present time here. So with that, I, (laughs) it's kind of weird. Um, God, I'm so, so how do we perceive of like when we talk to younger, to the youth and when they come, cause I've been asked this question is, what is, how do do we define as Native Americans? Like, who are we? You know, because when you Google Native Americans, you see pictures of people back in the day. You know, you don't see people, you don't see Native Americans as they are today where you guys are, you know, in your guys' PhD, you know, studies. You know, you see them in war bonnets, you see them wearing the feathers and, and, and the black and white photos, black and white photos like a, versus just a picture of us sitting around the table right now. Exactly. But, you know, you type in African-American and you see suit and tie and, you know, basketball players, and you know. So I guess like how could we like help define us more? You, you kind of know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um I think what you like, like this conversation that you're, you're initiating tonight, you know, things like, like this, like bring is bringing us into a, a, a more contemporary realm. Um, you know, there's so much um, going on in film right now with, with uh, indigenous directors like, uh, like Taika Waititi, you know, even though he's not from the Americas, he's, he's, he's Maori person. I still consider him, you know, you know part of the family, you know, as an, as an indigenous person and, and there's so many like Sterling Harjo and and telling these um, contemporary stories of who we are, um, and 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 it's it's kind of combating like like what what Steph was talking about with the Charlie Brown episode, you know, it, it's combating that that idea of um, us as as the uh, the feather you know, war bonnet wearing, buckskin wearing um, people that gave them corn to survive the winter. Uh, Thinking about, um, yeah, I, I guess I, who we are, who we are now. Um, I think the conversations that we have in, in the doctoral program, um, even though they are are kind of like in our in our own special room right now, you know, it's because we're we're formulating something. I think that that's starting to um, influence who we are as as you know, however we want to call ourselves, you know, indigenous people, first nations people. Um, and, and 
I don't think anybody really has that answer yet. And, you know, it's something that, that we have to continually talk about and um, decide amongst uh, the, our community, uh, our greater indigenous community. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't think it's a stagnant answer. I think that's something that's always going to be evolving and changing with us. Right. Absolutely. You know, it was, you know, the, the reason why the question even popped in my head too was, um, I remember my first day in college down in Florida and, um, you know, just like you guys said, you know, when you're introducing yourself, people are like, what, you're native American. Like they have like those big eyes, like deer headlights, like, like, like we didn't exist at the time. They were like, you guys are still alive. And then all of a sudden, you know, the ignorant questions come, you know, they're like, do you guys have electricity? Do you guys, you know, live in teepees? How do you guys travel to town? You guys still ride horses. And this was back in 2008, you know? So, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was, it caught me off guard. And, you know, as, as um going through college and everything, you know, those questions never really stopped. You know, it took me, unfortunately, fighting, person <laughs> to have the question stop because at the same time I couldn't understand a, a kid from the reservation you know branching out into the world if you will you know just why was I so different why was I so intriguing you know like for me I was just another another kid you know and to be asked all these questions I was just like no I'm just you know a, a regular person I'm I'm just like you right. why am I so different you know, and even my, you know, even my professors, some of them were just like out of one, I was one kid, one native kid out of 40 students, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. and, and I was picked out like as interesting. And, and like I said, the, you know, I was naive at the time. I, I really didn't know much about the history of, you know, my own culture, my own tribe, you know, and, you know, sometime down the road, just listening to my brother about what he learned and, you know, really brought to light. Like, I was like, holy crap, like, we are only in history books now. You know, we're not in present day. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see each other in present day because <laughs> we're around it all the time. You know, we got, um, you know, Bronson Koning, who, you know, made it to the NBA. We have, uh, um, who's the other Oneida? Um... Sandy. Yeah, Sandy Cohen, you know, who's overseas right now. You know, hopefully he comes back and plays in the NBA, you it's know. Manam too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you, go. <laughs> you know, I mean, we have all these, uh, um, you know, we have all these people to look up to, to, you know, you know, we could achieve all these, you know, just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. But that's interesting it wasn't until college till you had those questions though huh yeah i mean we grew up in a small town you know it was just did you grow up near the reservation oh what was that did you grow up near a reservation i mean i lived on the reservation was so there, was there a lot of native kids in your school yeah yeah our you know we were half half our class no we weren't even half our class we were our class had the biggest native to non-native non-native ratio of it was like 18 to 63 yeah see i i got those so, questions out of the way in kindergarten oh <laughs> because where 
from a mathematical perspective, you are interesting. You, you, you don't exist mathematically. I mean, if you look at the global U S population and then look at the, um, global U S <laughs> there's some editing work. Uh, if you look at the, you know, full U S population and look how, how many, um, native Americans exist from a population perspective, at least from a census data perspective, <laughs> the numbers are staggeringly low. And it means that your chances are most people, you know, when they meet a native American, if they don't live near a reservation, that will might, could be the one that they meet. Mm-hmm. It is that the numbers are that staggering. So I, I got that out of the way in kindergarten. I was the only Indian kid and all everybody else, was, and then until third grade, and Christina moved in down the road next to me, and then they're like, "What's going on here? Here's another one. Like, he was in line. They do exist." Well, I mean, it even happened at work a few years ago. Remember when we were at that uh, that tech thing thingy down in Green Bay? That's correct. Yeah. I mean, you guys had a good laugh at it, but <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> but I mean, it was just you know, it was just so odd, you know. Well, the the questions they take you off guard if you weren't used to those. I've been yeah. getting that question because I grew up off off a reservation, you know, just in like a what somebody might refer to as just a typical like colonized world public school scenario. Uh, yep. <laughs> you know, from K through twelve, there was um, I knew four indigenous kids, and I went to a D one high school. So I knew four. There was 250-something in my graduating class in, in uh, high school. So, you know, to kind of paint a picture of how many kids would have, would have been around me, <laughs> I knew four total throughout the 12 years. Wow. I mean, that's how many, that, and that's how many my peers knew then of the thousands of kids, four. So, you know, it, it was honestly, it's, you're, you're kind of like, it's, it's unique how we're, very similar yet live two totally different lives based on the proximity of how close to the reservation we grew up mm-hmm. because I grew up away. I, I feel it all that was early on. I mean, yeah, there was unique situations where we're in class and we're talking early on where you're talking about, Oh, they, you know, the, you know what they told you about the history books. There was opportunities yeah. when I was like third and fourth grade where they read something, 25 feds turn towards me and go, is that right? <laughs> and now I got the power of the sun in the right. palm of my hand. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know what to do here. I'm like, is that right? I'm like, let you me know what? let me consult my. You know what? <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna pray on this, and then I will tell you all tomorrow. And I go home. And I'm asking mom. Uh, this is what I was asked. What, what, what can you tell him? And you know, she tells me, you know, what she believes to be the right answer. But then, you know, I thought about it. I'm like, really? I, I say, whatever, whatever I say is it. You grew up, there's a bunch of Indians. You know, if you say something, they might just ask Donald, right? Your brother. Whatever I say was gold. It didn't matter. I spoke for an entire race of people <laughs> to thousands. And I don't know how I did, but <laughs> I definitely was not afraid to hand out answers. So. I think that's just, uh, I, I mean, that's the issue with, uh, with it is our kids are forced to identify themselves, you know, forced to put themselves in this category of, you know, who are you, you, you know, and they shouldn't be doing that because every, you know, mostly 
all other kids are they're they're Sandy, they're Donald, they're Brandon, they're Jessica, they're they're whoever. But then when it comes, to, uh, I'll just speak on Indigenous kids. It's, who are you? Are you Indian? You, you know, and why you got long hair? And it, and it starts. You know, it's almost have you have to fit this mold that they learn, and and it and it just becomes an issue of. Then it goes back to you know how my brother felt. You know, well, how come I don't know any of that? And then it's that shame and that guilt that comes in and like, why don't I know all this? Mm-hmm. And, um, you, you know, and there's a big, you know, it's such a big, broad question that it's hard to discuss. And, you, you know, like you, you had, I I can only imagine what you told your class. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me now, so. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I can only imagine what you told your class. There, there was I can only hope that there's a there different some, version. There were some creative liberties I had to take in a couple of instances. Out of, honestly, like, thinking back, I was just being funny. But thinking back of, like, I mean, they probably ran with that. And no, I told been. many people, and many people might believe a very outlandish story right now because I told it to him when I was at an age where you would think somebody wouldn't be making up a story, but I'm just like, this is the same thing though. It's like when you got 20 people looking at you and you're in third grade and they want an answer, you're standing there like, why don't I know the answer for this? And you know what I mean? And why are they looking at me? It's like, I, I feel like I should know, right? but I didn't know what, I was too young to realize I should, I shouldn't necessarily know and they shouldn't necessarily be looking at me and asking that question. That was the problem. I'm 41 years old and I still have the same problem. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I had a question here, you know, since you mentioned it, Donald, that it was kind of a similar topic. It's just like, like a human beings are naturally curious. What are you guys' thoughts on whether or not, do you ask people, you know, like, are you native or are you skin? You know what I mean? These are things, you know, I've heard, you know, some people and both white, other, other natives and non-natives alike will kind of just kind of be eyeballing you mm-hmm. as you first meet them. And they're like, so, you know, it's been like an hour and they've been <laughs> looking you over and they're like, what are you? You know, that's a question. I'm like, is that a fair, I'm still not even sure of how I feel about it. I'm like, is that a fair question? I'm like, I don't know, but it's, I, I, I'm not sure where I stand on. I was interested to hear you guys' take on, you know, is that a fair question or is that a question you ask of other people? Like, or, or I've presumed you're, you're, you're Native American because I can, you know, I'm like, I see the room. I know what Native Americans look like. I hang out with Native Americans. So I'm like, all right. And I might just jump right in and ask, what tribe are you? You know, or, you know, that is that a fair question in your guys' opinion? I usually rely on the head nod right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Once that's established, the then yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, you kind of sometimes you, I don't know, it's that like you, that inclusion, you, you know, you, you, you grow up in such a, almost like you're pushed aside so much through the education system that you almost have to ask somebody sometimes like, you know, Hey, you native <laughs> be like, yeah. And they're like, Oh, what up? You know? <laughs> and then it's like that you have that bond almost. And because we don't have that relationship usually through outside of our home yep. and when we're outside our home, you kind of seek that stuff out. Right. 
seeking that community, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah you're always seeking that relationship for somebody because we because we have this issue of not having that like we're always we're always protecting ourselves when we're going through uh outside our homes. You know, and sometimes it's like when you know when I'm with my brother or you know the cohort for the most part, you, you know, it's like I feel comfortable around them. I feel safe, but you know, so you kind of seek that out and and uh and I think that's why I ask that most of the time it isn't uh, mainly not to judge you or anything. It's just like, can I let myself be me, or do I have to, do I have to put up this wall and be cautious, you know, until I trust this person? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I fielded the question too, where they're just like, "Are you, you know, are you Indian?" And it just, you know, it's and you can tell that there's not like they're not like looking for the for you to go yes. So oh, okay, well now I can, you know hate you because I'm racist towards Indians. You know, they're just curious. <laughs> they just want to know. Um, and it's, you know, it's something that I don't particularly mind. I was just wondering if, if you guys take, uh, you know, any type of offense to being asked that, you know, just if you meet somebody for the first time or, or if you've ever fielded that question. I think depending on the day. Yeah. When it might Cause be a- I, I'm like, I'm in the same boat like you. If I'm not, if I'm kind of like, it depends on what's going on in my life too. And, you know, like I said, a lot of stuff happens. A lot of people say a lot of arrogant stuff sometimes. So that. your particular mood might change your answer to well, that or how you feel, how you feel that same question. Or if I want to mess with them or something, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, yeah. I mean, in all honesty, it's like, you know, you, you know, I live on a reservation, you know, there's a casino there. And, and, um, so we always get these drive-bys from these, uh, from like white folks and people from people that aren't from around here trying to, find real Indians, you know? So, you know, there's been times in my life where, you know, sometimes I, from usually from 6 PM to 7 PM, I open my curtains. I just stand in my window. (laughs) So so, so, so when people drive by my house, I, you know, I'll do different poses and whatnot (laughs) to help them out. But you know, I've had people stop and say, where, where's all the Indians at? And I'm like, what? Right here. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, when I'm fed up with them, like, give me 20 bucks, I'll go show you where they're at. (laughs) (laughs) And take them on a back road and then. Leave them there? Leave them there. And say, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get them in those woods. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've done that in the past, but, you know, it's, it gets real tiring sometimes when people try to identify you, you know, by, you know, what race you are. That makes sense. You know, and sometimes it's just like, for me, it's like, I say screw it. Sometimes I'm just going to, just going to mess around and have fun with it. Mine's well, because it's just sickening sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Definitely. It's how we cope, right? Yeah. 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 You know, you know, it's, oh, I'm sorry, Stephanie. Oh, I was just going to answer too. Um, I, I really, don't, I don't think I take offense to that. I was just trying to think back um for me i think a lot of people get confused um like are you native are you mexican like you know like what are you (laughs) so um like like jigua said it really i guess it depends on how they're asking and and um yeah the context of it and how i'm going to respond because 
sometimes I may be a little sarcastic in my response, you yeah. know? All right. So going off this uh, question that Eric asked, what about the, <laughs> what about the, like the level of your skin tone? You can say it. <laughs> Brown, brownness. Yeah. Yeah. Your brownness, you know, does that, you know, for, for example, our friend over here, you know, when you see a, a typical Native American, you know, the brown, brown eyes, dark hair, greasy skin. No. Yeah. You know, like, do you go by that when, like, if you were to ask Eric here, you know, because he, ha- he has fair skin and blue eyes, you know, would would you consider him a Native American? And maybe that's I, I, and maybe that's why I'm fielding the question more than say somebody like you, yeah, who is not fair skinned, <laughs> unfair skinned, yeah, unfair skinned. <laughs> <laughs> so like they would probably, yeah. they probably don't have to necessarily ask you, yeah. Or if you do get the question, you're probably getting the "Are you Mexican or yeah, are yeah. you Indian?" question, where I'm almost never being asked if I'm Mexican, <laughs> but I'm, you know, sometimes people will be like. It's very unique because sometimes be like I can tell you're Indian. I'm like you can, because I'm I've been to powwows for I have to show my tribal ID sometimes because they <laughs> won't believe I'm Indian. I'm just not dark enough, and you know I'm I'm half Oneida and half white, and so is my brother Elijah, and he is significantly darker than me. And if we stood side by side, they just he just doesn't compare. Like he's he looks much more traditionally Native American, if you will. Air quoted traditionally there. Because you know, that's uh you know, kinda alludes to an earlier question that you had earlier. It's like what is what does an Indian look like? Yeah. You know, that's if you Google it or whatever, why don't I pop up? You know, I I exist, you know what I mean? And different different areas of Native Americans across the United States look wildly different as well too on like how how dark their skin tone is versus you know and they sound different in different sections we all know that especially here out of Kashina you know we know where I grew up here you know I grew up in uh, Obayonida and by Neilvid and Zor Kashina all that everybody it sounded wildly different from one spot to the next it's like you know it's what does an Indian sound like what does an Indian look like Anything, right? Absolutely. Especially Donald. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Donald? I don't know. That's, uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm guilty of it. You, you know, I'm guilty of, you, you know, like you tell your basketball story. That's you, right. You, you Go know. ahead and tell it. Yeah. Go ahead and tell, <laughs> tell, tell them how you oppressed me. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them, share it with the world. So we had this uh, awesome basketball team that (laughs) we what over four years we went like zero and thirty something. But it was all it was just all all of us uh, Indian kids playing on one team, and here's Eric playing on another team, wondering why we never asked him to play. (laughs) Wondering every year, yeah. (laughs) Sometimes weekly wondering, yeah. Like how come you guys ever invite me? And you know, for a while there, I didn't know he was. And it wasn't really the thing, but where he really got upset was when we finally had a white guy on our team. <laughs> and he was like, "Really, guys? You guys never asked me." 
You didn't want to ease into it with yeah. half white? Here I am. It's like I'm a perfect stepping stone. Yeah. <laughs> so I meant like, like stuff like that, you, you know, and, yeah, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm guilty of judging people by their skin color. And you're like walking away, you know, you look for subtle body, body movements and like the head nod, the old, the old lip thing and. Yeah. And even the jokes, you know, you can just kind of listen and, you know, and the teasing and, and all that, that kind of brings you in. But that also shows you like, kind of like, it almost identifies you, you know, organically, you know, how you figure it out instead of judging somebody by their skin color and their, if they got long hair, short hair, or the color of their eyes or something like that, you know, and, uh, but I mean, I guess I was hiding my pain too well in my jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, work on that accent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I could bring it on and off like a switch. I, I should have just turned it on right away when I first met him. Yeah. It's like, I should have profiled him so he could easily profile me. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh, following up on that same topic was, uh, was kind of like under that same ideology. You definitely really like your honest feedback here. You know, this is just, this is a lot of opinion based stuff, right? We, everybody that's listening knows that you're not speaking for Native Americans across the board or you're not speaking for your specific reservation or tribe, but from like a blood quantum perspective, you know, one, would you ask that, do you ask that question of other people like is it does it matter to you and does it uh you know i've shared that i'm i'm 50 percent you know then then uh you know some people want to hear that that i've come across they're like oh you're native how much how much you know because one i don't look very native and and two sometimes some people both non-native and native have a a minimum if you will in their head Hmm. of I need to hear this number or greater or I'm not going to view you as an actual Native American or Indian. Right. Just wondering if you had any personal thoughts on that. Like if you, if there's a number in your mind or it's like, you know what? I got to hear a quarter or better <laughs> or you're mostly three quarters, the other thing. So therefore you're not on the club. Uh, you know, the federal government has identified a number. So, you know, it's not, you know, they're, it's easy for them. They're the government. They can always pick a number and know this is what we're going to run with. So right. they're recognizing an eighth. So they're saying, okay, you're still in the club at an eighth. Below that, though, we don't see you. You know, I was wondering if you guys feel like you you feel a similar thing happening for yourselves. You know, um, I th- I've, I've thought a lot about this. Um, you know, I, I think that... Uh, like like when roles started when when uh when they decided to um put a number on how much like menominee you were um just because you lived in the menominee community it didn't mean you were just menominee right we we were mixing and <laughs> way before blood quantum and 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 roles ever happened you know and and all of these these original um I guess on, on the tribal roles where they, they considered them 100% Menominee um, probably wasn't true at all. You know, we, 
Menominee and Potawatomi and Odawa and and we had all these different um, nations that 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 had, that had come together and, and needed to come together and um and and it seems like we've latched onto that too. You know, a lot of a lot of us as, as Indian Indian people have done that and 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 we hold to that and and it's a sense of pride even and um and it's just not it's just not real. It's, none of it's real. Think about, um, you know, what what determines that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just speaking, you know, for myself, you know, is what makes me Menominee, and uh, it's it's not, it's not um, like who my who my lineage is. I, I guess it is in in a way, but even even with like like the boarding schools and and how that lost generation happened. Um, you know, my, my, my grandfather and my grandmother were both, uh, fluent speakers, but they didn't teach their, any of their children how to speak. None of them, my dad, my uncles, my aunties, none of them know how to speak. Well, one of them does now, but that's because he learned on his own. And so a lot of what my identity, um, really came from was, was my mother researching that and she's not Menominee at all but she was my connection a big part of my connection to who I am as an Indian Indian person or an indigenous person because of of her um I guess vigilance and 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 in wanting me to know who I am um so does that I don't know I don't know how that defines me well, that's an interesting answer, though. I mean, I, I think uh, as you were, you mentioned a couple of things specifically on like the, you know, it's like as it relates to like um, quantum and pride, you know, I've definitely experienced, you know, pride. You know, my my native side comes from my mother, who's full-blooded Oneida, thus making me the half that I am. She has an immense pride in her full bloodedness. She says, I am full blooded native American. One of like, you know, this is a true, you know, pure lineage. And, uh, it's a interesting that she takes such pride on that, especially with having a half breed child, <laughs> multiple. <laughs> uh, so that was a little, you know, it was contradictory how prideful she could actually be in that particular <laughs> stance. But nonetheless, it was true. And it actually, it, it actually ended up instilling on me for many years, the same type of mentality of like pridefulness of like, you know, being proudful of like, uh, I'm just at this 50% mark. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not three quarter. I'm not a hundred. But I'm not an eighth either, you know what I mean? I'm not scraping by to just make it. And then, you know, it took me many years and a lot of, like, uh, experiences on my own reservation, on other reservations, um, living in different communities, experiencing other Native American people to, to kind of fall away from that. And I thought that was really hard for me to do, honestly, to be like, um, to try to visualize everybody regardless of their quantum, the same to say that, you know, it's like, a, it's like if, if that's how you identify and if you identify inside of this community, then you're part of that community, you know, it, and it doesn't, it doesn't come down to some type of blood quantum test or formula. You know, I was taught that when, 
you know, if you were in like the Oneida community in the original days, it didn't necessarily mean that you were necessarily even Oneida. You know what I mean? If the, you were a Sioux who had been lost their way and got, so, you know, some extraordinary circumstances and now you're in that community, you were, you could potentially be part of that community. Now there was enemies as well that, you know, that, that would have been a different story. But, you know, if, if the circumstance was right, a non Oneida person could have been in the Oneida community and accepted as that all before role ever happened. Therefore creating non Oneida in Oneida. Right. And if that was the case in that tribe, couldn't it also be the case in other tribes? And a lot of people that I've spoke to said, yes, it's, yeah. it was, it was a community based thing. It wasn't a, it wasn't done by blood right. like it is today. So it was a interesting take on that. What do, what do you think, Stephanie? Is a, I mean, does a blood quantum matter to you or do you feel a certain level of pridefulness one way or the other? Um, so, yeah, I guess growing up, we weren't, we didn't really focus on blood quantum. Um, I come from a mixed family, I guess you could say. Um, I have siblings that are Prairie Band Potawatomi enrolled. You know, I'm Oneida enrolled. Um, I have other siblings that are Menominee and Stockbridge. So for us, um, it was definitely relational, right? Like you talked about, um, it wasn't blood quantum because, like I said, we're all various tribes, but for the most part, we grew up in Menominee and in Kashina. And so just speaking on my story, on my behalf, um, it you know, I, I don't carry any Menominee blood, but um, others have accepted me into the community, right? And um, adopted me into um, the traditional society. So I carry a Menominee name and a clan. And um, I take pride in that, right? I don't take pride in my blood quantum, but I take pride in that. And so I look at it from that perspective because that's, that's kind of how... Um, I was raised, and so it wasn't a, a blood quantum issue or a issue. It wasn't a blood quantum perspective on how we were presented. Um, it was who you are. You're you're this, and you come from this community, and you know you carry these values. And um, so um, it wasn't until much later in my life that um, blood quantum became a thing because I didn't become enrolled Oneida until I was like 11 or 12. Interesting. So um, that's really when it became um, presented into my life. Before that, it was like, you know, I've heard of it, but I was, it, it didn't really matter to me because I was a member of this community and, you know, it, it just didn't make a difference to me. And then when we became, en when I became enrolled, Oneida, um, it still was, I was just like, oh, okay. Not really sure what that means. Okay. Um, <laughs> nope. For me, it was, and it wasn't about seeking out that blood quantum or anything. It was always about trying to seek out then, you know, who am I as Oneida too? Because I understand um, my background as Menominee and, and, and that, but I needed to find out who I was as Oneida and that piece. And so, like, I, that's how I look at it. Um, and like you talked about that, that community base, those traditional adoption processes, you know, I'm fortunate to have been able to 
um, go through that, right, and and be really? accepted into these communities. And um, when I moved back, or when I moved to Oneida, I sought out the traditional community there and went through the adoption process through Longhouse, and that's how I, you know, got my Oneida name too, which is the same as my Menominee name. So. Wasuki is my Menominee name and Yagogweli is my Oneida name, but they both mean bear woman, you know, and I, I come from the bear clan. So that's where I pull my pride from. Um, so, yeah, blood quantum, when I approach people or meet new people, that doesn't even cross my mind. Um, it's more about who you are, you know, and how you carry yourself and where you come from. So that's. That's what I look for. No, I don't, that's, that's that, great. Thank that you for sharing that. That's, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, that's, those are great. That's a great perspective. And, um, Donald, I mean, what do you think? Are you, are you uh, this, you've heard from these two, what do you, what do you think uh, from a blood quantum perspective, has that ever hit your radar or huh? do you feel that question? Um, yeah. I mean, just because it's becoming an issue now, I hear it more now. Like I'm more Indian than you. I used to hear it growing up, you know, as a kid, you know, <clears throat> you know, kind of knew what our blood was. Like, we knew if you're, if uh, you weren't full-blooded Indian and, you know, the term, you know, we would go like, oh, we're more Indian than you, you know, and, you know, I'm guilty of that. Um, but even today, it's, um, you know, blood quantum is an issue because we have, we're going to have kids soon that technically are full-blooded uh, Native American and they're not going to be able to fulfill any, any, any roles because they're not going to have the percent to be beyond the roles. And then, you know, and then it becomes about race. And then it's like you're blood strong if you're full blooded and that's getting passed down from our parents. And that's, you know, that's just that, um, that behavior getting passed down intergenerationally from when roles were started. And, and it was important for, you know, we can't lose this, you know, because it was a matter of life and death back then. Mm-hmm. And, um, you, you know, and, but I don't think for me, it isn't blood quantum. I'm not going to judge you because you're, you're half Oneida. I might judge you because you're Oneida. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah. joking. <laughs> hey, no. <laughs> but, uh, but no, you know, I ain't going to judge you because you're half or anything. It's, you know, for me, it's like, you, you know, me and you, you know, you know, I can see you're my brother. You know, we have our own, like, we're, we always talk about community. You know, it's not really even about blood quantum or if you're even Indian or not. You know, it's about the community that you build with with, uh, with each other. And, you know, and that goes all the way back into history. You know, they didn't care if you were this or that. It was either you were brought in through some type of marriage or you were adopted or there's many scenarios. I mean, even down here, you know, you know, our history shows that we ran from the U.S. government and the U.S. government caught a bunch of Potawatomis in Zor when the census came around and boom, you, you know, Zor, uh, Menominee people took in Potawatomi people and you know, the help hide them and guy come around with his little notebook and full-blooded Menominee, full-blooded Menominee, full-blooded Menominee. You know, and that's how that stuff all started. You know, we don't know where they were coming from, you know. And uh, it's interesting, even when you look into history on certain people, you know, they're on multiple people's uh, roles, you know. 
They were in Menominee role. They were in Minnesota's roles. The same person. It just they traveled there a lot. And when the Census Bureau happened to go through that tribe, that area, and that individual was in that tribe. So it's pretty neat and how when you learn your own, uh, start learning history and your own history of, you know, how incorrect it could be sometimes because uh, it kind of showed you how how we all interacted with each other and we helped each other back then. Oh, definitely. I mean, you expand that over to like the greater um, American landmark too, right? And we have social security numbers in America. That's basically like an enrollment number, if you will. And those data isn't necessarily accurate either, right? You, Everybody's hear about this in the news, especially with this administration, like about um, uh, immigrants and illegal ways to get social security numbers. It's just uh, the greater American tribe, if you will. Those all of people that are in America operating under that tribe of Americans, if you will, versus like Europe or China, all those people operating there. And they have their own way of keeping track of those people. It's like same type of similar scenario right it's like we're on uh i'm on the oneida enrollment number and then here's my social security number and that puts me in the american tribe so it's like oh now i'm on to to myself here and it's different but the a similar concept right Mm -hmm. because if we go by blood quantum you know you, you know my brother my siblings are all more potawatomi than i am but we all have the same we have the same parents you know, there was some error, uh, error back then. Somewhere happened, and you know, and now I'm, you know, government wise, federally wise, you, you know, they're gonna judge me on that. My my brothers are more Potawatomi. I'm just more Sioux than them, but and that's just you know, a paper error. It's yeah, but that's gonna define me federally. You know, when it comes down to certain decisions that may or may not happen in the future, but. You know, that's just an example of, you know, and that's not going to be right. Yeah. It's like when you didn't, that's like, you judge me on the basketball court. (laughs) But, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You you know, like I said, you know, I don't judge you because just because you're Oneida, you know, we're in the same, in the same community. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to invite you to stuff just because we live in the same community, you know, and that's what it becomes. There's people in our community that, that um that live that aren't even you know indigenous people you know but i still want to take them on these you know trips but it's always the government that dictates what kids get help what kids can't yep because uh there's been times where like hey i want to take this kid you know to a college visit with me and they'll be like oh no he's not tribal kid he's you know their Menominee and you know we can't take tribal kids but this kid's lived here all of his life community know. member yeah all 15 years of his member. life and then it's like let's help oh no we can't we can only help tribal and that's where it comes in and that's when that that distinction has to that happens with these kids and these kids start like well that's when they start getting an idea I'm not really really part of this community am I you know and that's that's when that identity starts kicking in where they kind of start questioning themselves of, you know, where I belong, who am I, and and all those other kind of questions. Interesting. Was there anything that 
you guys had hopefully would talk about and you had I, I had a nugget of information on this particular thing and <laughs> he never asked me about it is, is there something that uh you know or a particular message or a, a closing thing that you'd like to make sure that you're heard on I want to make sure you have a some time if you want yeah i i, I just wanted to say something about the, the blood quantum and um yeah, it, it is a, is a tool of a, a tool of genocide, and 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 we've we've fully embraced it, and um, we need to really do something about it, and 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 maybe this conversation is 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 going to be a catalyst to to help us um, start thinking about it ourselves, and um, to pass that knowledge on, and 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 to get that that, that conversation started in our communities. Get the old lip point at me. So, all right. Yeah, I, you know, I just, I really want to thank you all for, you know, doing, having the passion to want to share people's voices and their stories and taking the opportunity to, um, you know, meet with different people and educate and, um, in a, in a way that can reach a diverse population. So I think this is really cool that, you know, you guys reached out to us and was able to sit down and have this conversation. Because like Watnaway said, um, sometimes it's more about just beginning the conversation and just, you know, starting that dialogue. So um, I think, I don't know, I think it was interesting. It was cool. Awesome. Glad you glad you uh, <coughs> uh, enjoyed being on it. Honestly, I I was uh, very happy to hear that you guys had accepted the invitation. It was uh, a unique opportunity that we have having the podcast to hear different perspectives on many different topics. Mm-hmm. This being one, so uh, definitely a thank you again from Jeffrey and I for sure for spending the time this evening uh, working with us and talking through these things. It's, it's been really interesting. Yeah. Thank you guys. Like I said, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, when I approached my brother about it, you know, we, ha- we've had my brother on this podcast before many times. So it, it was cool that he did us a favor and asked his classmates and, and um, he was very unsure about, <laughs> you know, the way that we, kid around um not on the podcast <laughs> so you know like i said thank you guys so much like you know like i said it's hopefully this just starts a conversation like beyond this podcast and we just get that knowledge out we get that you know you, yeah <laughs> just like i said or like you guys said just starting a conversation on this mm-hmm. you know and it leads to learning and learning about you know us and you know, who we are as people and, you know, and hopefully one day we could, you know, just, you know, live, yeah. <laughs> you know, be yeah. human, right. <laughs> you know, um, you know, back to the, you know, the blood quantum, you know, question, you know, the big thing that I had, you know, my son just got on the rolls at uh, Forest County Potawatomi and, you know, it was, he's five sixteenths and I'm, and I look at that number because, um, I'm full-blooded Potawatomi or I'm full-blooded 
full-blooded Indian, if you will, FBI. Yeah. <laughs> and and the government is going to dictate on how much percentage he has just on the FCP side. He's not. They're not going to take the piece of Prairie Band Potawatomi and Sisseton Sioux that that my blood carries within him. So it's like they just knocked you know that percentage off. Well, most if you know. So you know, it kind of confused me at first because I was like, well, I'm he should be half, right? In, in theory, <laughs> and you know, and you guys brought up great points that I didn't even think of about as the community uh, aspect of it. You know, people that know Eric, you know, may think that he's FCP just because he's he has been in the community for so long, and people probably don't even view him as Oneida until he brings it up. So, you know, as my brother was saying, you know. He is my brother. I consider him my brother. You know, he's he's my son's uncle, you know. So, I mean, that's how I view him, man. That's how I grew up. You know, my, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's just something that I worry about in the future for, you know, my son, maybe my future kids, more future kids. You know, it's just, you know, um in my opinion, you know, like, like you guys said, the government is creating a genocide for us. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, what, as you were talking there about your son, you kind of sparked one last thing that I was, maybe could ask is like, you know, the fact that he, you know, so he's just been accepted onto the FCP role, but he also carries Sioux blood in him. That means he's not going to be able to be on the Sioux role. Correct. Mm-hmm. Thus, in fact, eliminating Sue. He is Sue, but yet now on paper, he's not. Their number has dropped. Yep. You know, so you you almost, you know, the the ideal of blood quantum for, you know, a, a, Nick, um, a mixed Native American that has multiple tribes in their blood creates a, a, a choice of where they need to enroll, you know, when, you know, and thus in fact, you know, at the time doesn't feel like you're essentially killing off that part of you, but on paper you actually are. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take it a step further. Um, Because it brought up another interesting thing for me. Um, It also limited, I guess, my perspective um, on dating because I wanted my kids to be enrolled. And so then I needed to find an Oneida man, right? Yep. So, yep. <laughs> and then, and not be related to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I'd be a different clan, whatever. But, um, so, so in that aspect too, you know, it also really impacts, um, I guess, our perspectives on the next generation and, you know, like you bring up an interesting, like what, you know, how, how do we enroll our kids where that all of that influences, I think for me influenced, um, how I sought out relationships or, you know, wanting to create a family that, that really impacted that Mm -hmm. it really did. And it shouldn't, 
right? You know, it it shouldn't. But you had you had you had a you you felt you're saying then you felt some type of a sense of urgency to bring yourself to an Oneida man to keep keep that bloodline or culture line going yeah which is interesting because it kind of contradicts what i said before huh in a way (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it's like you know one hand you view people like that but on the other hand you want you want the best for your kids so you want them to be able to have access to you know the i guess the benefits of being enrolled right Mm -hmm. which within oneida is um you know, there's a lot of great benefits, higher education funding. You know, there's a lot of good, mm. good um, positives to being enrolled. And so um, it, being exposed to that and weeping from those benefits has influenced my, you know, I want that for my kids, too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's it's a very complex issue and it mm-hmm. impacts us in so many different ways. Yeah, I think you. I'm, I really appreciate you jumping in and sharing that additional piece because it really, I feel like, illustrates very well the like social dynamic or social dilemma rather that you've then been placed in, where you, from a cultural perspective, you know, where you said it kind of contradicted what you said earlier, but from when you were speaking earlier, I noticed you were talking more of along the lines of a, a, a cultural type mentality, and now you're you're talking more about uh, colonized mentality, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you're a Native American, you know, and, and those are your belief systems earlier in the conversation. And those belief systems aren't wrong, but you're living in the colonized society. So you have to live through that, those laws and through those sets of rules. Therefore, you forced to abide by those things and then make choices about your personal life, you know, to further that and things and, and instill in stuff that's important to you from a culture to bring that forward. You know, so it's you, you, you that that dynamic's been created because of that, you know, where mm-hmm. before all of that existed, that, that dynamic wouldn't have been, there was no legal piece to it. It was just the, the emotional piece or spiritual piece or cultural piece, if you will, the the law side of it wasn't there and because of that you have to you know now make those types of choices i i honestly um it wasn't really a a a big sophie's choice for me growing up you know what i mean there was i definitely grew up off reservation too so it was not only the four people that i mentioned earlier only one was a girl so she wasn't and she wasn't the one for me so that was a quick and easy choice so i was just like all right so a destined life of solitude or i go outside of oneida nation and you know i ended up down that route uh so that's kind of you know it's like this is a very similar type of thing but th- those thoughts entered my mind and it's mm-hmm. just like essentially I've now, because of those laws, am forced to make a decision onto whether or not I want to be, you know, adding to the quote unquote genocide of my own people by not procreating with another Oneida. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that, well, that is that's heavy, right? Yeah, like that's it's I'm so like that's deep. I gotta wear that, yeah, and, uh, and you know, um, potentially defend that choice. 
in the Oneida Nation. Mm-hmm. You know, when I go there for events mm-hmm. and um, meetings and stuff <laughs> like that, and you know, and my white significant other waits in the car <laughs> because they're not allowed in. So, and that that all makes sense. But now I have to, I have to defend myself both inside of my tribe and outside of my tribe <laughs> because of having to live through those laws. Yep. Well, it, it's funny, not funny, but it's intriguing because I was like the opposite of, of Stephanie um, for the fact that I was into non-native women, but I had family that would force me to date <laughs> native women, you know, or they would give me, they would sabotage my relationships, you know? So, I mean, even that growing up, you know, I, I didn't really know why I was just like, how come we don't like my non-native partner? You know, I don't, I don't want to date. This. Like, why don't you like <laughs> Tiffany? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so it, it, when you brought that up, I was like, holy crap, that, that happened to me throughout my whole like high school. You know, I was, you know, I would date a non-native and then all of a sudden my one, my one uh, sister, if you will, you know, she would be at me and then at her and just before you know it, then she'd be like, you got to date this one. This one is the one for you. <laughs> you know, and I never got that because I never, you know, at the time I was never thinking about blood quantum or how much in the, you know, the full blood, full bloodedness that I have, you know, running through. And like, even my dad, when I had, when I told him that, uh, that I was having a kid, you know, and he, you know, he jokes around and I get it. But he even said that he was like, oh, man, you messed this powerful line of, you know, the full blooded Indian in you. You messed up this line, you know, and it kind of made me sad because, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's his grandkid, you know, at the end of the day, you know, and whatever, you know, the way I felt at the time, you know, it's still, you know, I still think about it because I'm like, are you going to look at my kid different because he's only half, you know, so. Sorry, getting kind of emotional. <laughs> but, you know, it's just like stuff like that. And even even in our meetings, enrollment's a big topic. Mm-hmm. You know, especially up by us because of our dividends, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, like Stephanie mentioned, the benefits. Yes, are, the benefits, you know, it's, yeah. Whether it's services or per capita or whatever it is. I mean, you, I mean if... You know, people want the best for their for their for yeah. their kids. I mean, if you know the big top- hunting and fishing is cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know the big topic at that time, and I don't know if I'm supposed to be speaking, but it kind of made me angry because they're like, oh, and I don't know if they're singling out my kid because I'm I'm also Prairie Band, you know, and they they significantly said, well, this one kid has Prairie Band blood in him, and we have to knock that blood out. Prairie Band Potawatomi. You know, we can't accept that Potawatomi blood. And I'm like, well, aren't we all one tribe? Like Potawatomi is Potawatomi, right? In the sense of things, you know, it's just unfortunate that when, you know, the trail of death, the Potawatomi trail of death, you know, we scattered. You know, some of us ended up over here. Some of us ended up over here, you know, there, Michigan, lower Michigan, Kansas, Oklahoma. You know, at the end of the day, you know, he's Potawatomi. Why does that first 
first few words, Prairie Band in Forest County, why does that dictate how much Potawatomi he has? You know, we all have the same language. You know, we all, I believe we all practice the same beliefs and culture. I would like to think that. Or at least did before the split. Yes. Right? Because it was it was a one it was a single nation that just divided into individual bands based yeah. off physical location. But it, I have a similar concept from like a you know, a Monida that's a Iroquois nation. It's like why is there not a larger Iroquois nation um thing that to be a part of? You know, why is there not like the Iroquois nation um um group you know working to reunite us pool our resources pool the money create even bigger benefits and fight things at an even bigger level as a full set of people roll that up one more level beyond the Iroquois to other tribes and just say oh as a whole you know why do we not you know um, allocate particular funds to fight things at a you know government level and this like that and speak for the full three million or whatever the current exact number is you know rather than having to fight you know two thousand and twenty thousand at a time and and fifteen thousand you know what I mean because the you know and and maybe there's some study behind this that you guys could add some information on I'm I'm I apologize I'm just too ignorant to know specifically but is this part of a larger well thought out plan by the government to help break that down to say like masses are stronger, eliminate the masses, make them separate, cause that separation. And then now all of a sudden it's easier to fight a bunch of small armies than one larger army. I think that, uh, that, that is true because, um, <clears throat> what was it? What was that? That we wrote that. Ass paper. <laughs> All of us. Our in, historical yeah. timeline. The, the historical that, timeline. That's what it on. came through in D two L. Big ass paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyways, I found uh, you know as reading all these articles, and I never, I didn't know that, but um, you, you know, these are all government plans to you know somehow kill off or or uh, and give away you you know our recognition as people and who we are is because even boarding schools i mean the reason why you know i found out that they implemented federal boarding schools because it's going to save the country more money just to push these kids into boarding schools than going to war with them Mm -hmm. they're like let's create this law that all these indian kids got to go into a boarding school to uh be uh be assimilated into Western culture, white culture. And it was because it was becoming too expensive to go to war with us and kill us. So it was a financial decision rather than, you know, so they, they ran the numbers and said it's easier to teach them and kind of like in, instead of fight up. them. Yeah. And then you can kind of see, you know, even from that each generation, like you've seen what, what that idea does to, you know, families, you yep. know, just what my brother would, you know, his son, Ajagizik and our family dynamic, we're, fa- I, I, we're pretty close family, but that idea of having to date another Indian person is really instilled in us from almost from birth for me. You, you know, it wasn't, you know, technically my parents, but it was like my grandparents. You have to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you have to have kids with an Indian woman. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and that's a big ass in yeah, today's yeah. world, it, it right? Is. Like, and I mean, then, not, not, no disrespect. <laughs> it sounded real bad there. Oh, God, that's uh, hot water for me and uh, my mother and sister. Uh, no, that, I meant like from a numbers perspective, right? Like dating in general is hard enough, you know, with, you know, if you're, if you're open to the whole world, you got 7 billion to pick from, right? And then if you're open to the whole U.S., you got 330 million to pick from. It's still hard enough to find the one, let alone somebody like in your family casting that net way down to three million. You're like, wow, like, which sounds like a lot, but, you know, it's very hard. And, and not even that, you know, there's multiple levels into that. It's like, you know, Jeffrey's case is that, you, you know, his kid, you, you know, is half white, half thing, you know, the stress of just that. You know, and then just the stress for me that, (laughs) and for me, it's just the stress of, um, of, uh, trying to find another Potawatomi person. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, okay, I'm not dating another Potawatomi, uh, person, you know, but now it's like, okay, I got to deal with, uh, for not staying within my people from certain people. They're like, oh, you went outside your tribe. Now you're, that blood is getting diluted. You know, so there's multiple levels of it, not just you got you just can't worry about if you're gonna marry an indigenous or have kids with an indigenous person or not. It's like you also we get it from a level of you, you know, what tribe are they from? You know, you're you're gonna be off the you know, Potawatomi rolls if you keep, you know Definitely going the way you're going and you, you know, and it's just tough because then you got to watch out for clans and then that just the choices go away and then you got to yep. watch out for cousins and, you know, we're such a small community and it's like you, you almost relate to everybody in yeah. general and it, it just becomes difficult and it shouldn't have to. And I'm grateful that, you, you know, my relationship that I have now it didn't come because of, you know, who she was or, you know, where she came from. It just happened organically and it, it was in. You know, and I'm grateful for that. And do I get some, do I get some pushback from some family members and community? Yeah, I do. But, you know, for me, it's, a, that's why, you know, for me, why we're here. Yep. You know, this is one of the reasons why I'm in the doctoral program is, you know, I don't want my brother to feel like that, you know, and, and, and I'm sure that's what we're all fighting is all these, uh, you, you know, issues that are in our community. We're trying to provide. I'll speak on myself is I'm trying to provide a community, a space where people can come in and just be themselves and heal and, and where we start recognizing um, each other just for who we are, you know, and bring them back to those stories, to that language, you you know, to our relationships that we have with, uh, you know, mother earth, all the spirits, each other and everything. Mm -hmm. Cause at the end of the day, once that's created, it's not going to matter that, you know, I got a Menominee coming over or Oneida or anybody coming over. It's it's a community that at the end of the day I'm trying to build. Yeah. You, you know, so it's like because I don't want, I see what people go through. You know, I have to, you know, it's hard to watch people, you know, get emotional over having to worry, you know, how much Indian their kid is. Yeah. You know, their significant other, you know, anybody or. Well, how come you hang out with those white guys? You know, all that, you know, you yep. you know, it's so many different levels that we got to, we, even we instill in ourselves that lateral oppression that we do to each other. Yep. And, um, 
And I think that's, uh, we have a lot of talks in our cohort about different things and at the end of the day, it, we all, it, it all comes down to relationships a lot of the time. That our lack of relationships, many of these issues arise out of. Definitely. Walking away, your thoughts? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it, it really is about these conversations. And, um, you know, the conversations that we have in, in a small room like this is, um, I mean, kind of metaphorical, right? It's, it, we're, we're, we're building something here and having these conversations that's going to be um, transplanted to a, a larger audience. Um, and I think that's, that's what the key to what we're, we're doing as a cohort. Um, and I think we're, we're starting to kind of like spread our wings and starting to do these things now um, that we, we've, we've had these conversations. Um, although we've never really talked about blood quantum that much. Right. It's always, it, it's always been something where somebody brings up and then it's kind of like we, sh- we, yeah. we shy away from it in the right. court. Cause I think that it, it is a big issue because it's gonna, it just is a big issue. Right. It's internalized in right. us. And, and like, I'll speak on my half. Like I do have some attachment to it. It does identify me a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? So even trying to change that, that's going to be hard because changing ourselves is it, it's going to make me look at myself a little bit more and it's going to be more self-reflection. And I don't like that, but you know, that's where growth comes from though at right. the same time. And blood quantum is big because we've at least, for, you know, I'll only speak on myself is it was instilled in us and it was a big deal growing up that we keep our blood strong, you know, and, um, in the effects of that. So it's like, it's that trauma that we got to, continue to heal from and tell you what man it's not one thing it's another thing i'm right. traumatized by <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> definitely an interesting conversation i uh, i mean i i know we were kind of closing there and then we <laughs> yeah Je- Je- jeffrey like instilled that and then we probably dropped another 20 30 minutes on, but it, it honestly like it was as soon as he was mentioning that it kind of just sparked in my mind i was like man i never really thought about you know having to decide to basically eliminate part of a particular tribe when you enroll and that the fact that it's like i'm just like man was that did someone design that is this is this is like a really super powerful design plan or absolutely did, it is. you know mm-hmm. it's every every other um nation in the world you can have dual citizenship yeah why can't we yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's yeah it just seems yeah i was thinking that i was like man why i mean if he's in this nation in this community you know and, and has ties to the Sioux nation why can't you know why can't my brothers go to there and be a part of that community and accept mm-hmm. the same benefits there right mm-hmm. it just as yeah my, my mother was born on a, a army base in japan and she has japanese citizenship and united states citizenship mm-hmm. and there you go yeah and yeah, like I said, like even my fiance, you know, she's one. What do we say? One eighth. We believe so. Yeah, one eighth Oneida. You know, and you know, we didn't even. You know, she's not enrolled. She's been trying to get enrolled. Uh, she grew up on on the reservation, so or near the reservation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just to be somewhat part of that community, knowing her language and, and, and everything and to be denied, you know, I mean, that must, 
I guess I never really thought of it till now. You know, that must be hard for her. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know, and, you know, and I didn't even put that into, you know, my son's thing. You know, I just like, I just said, you know, FCP, Prairie Band, and Sue, and I stopped there, and I just completely forgot that he does have Oneida blood in him. Right. You know, and, you know, it's just something that, you know, like I said that when he got enrolled a few weeks ago, it was just like one of those things that hit hard because I was like, why is he five sixteenths? <laughs> he should be half, <laughs> you know. And I and I was just like, that's. I think I did the math. I was like, thirty seven percent. He should be all of what you said. Yeah. Not even any percentage in any way. Yep. He should just be who he is. Mm-hmm. Well, then, like, I guess. Well, I'll just keep going. Like, I have another question, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it is, you know, blood quantum. I, I just never really thought of it until, like, a few weeks ago. You know, it's just, like, even our own tribal members are trying to kick off tribal members. Because <laughs> they go back and they're like, well, they weren't here. You know, like Grandma Shorty. You know, like again. She was prairie band. She could have relinquished her rights to go to FCP, but she didn't. You know, um, one of the things that she, you know, told me was, if you're Potawatomi, you're Potawatomi. It doesn't matter what band or what tribe you're from. You know, you're Potawatomi. You're part of this community. And, you know, and she stuck to that. You know, and and, and like you guys said before, we're the only ones only race that has to show a card to identify us. Right. You know, I go into the gas station and I, you know, you know, to get that travel discount and they're like, can we see your card? And I'm like, dude, right here, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I shouldn't have to prove who I am or what nationality I am. Mm-hmm. Or what percentage. Exactly. And, you know, it's just, like I said, I mean, we probably could talk about this all night and <laughs> have many more conversations, but, you know, at least it started something. Yep. And, and maybe it's an opportunity to come back to the microphones at a later date if you guys are interested. Yeah, so, sure. You know, this, just because, of, you know, this is definitely, like you guys mentioned, the, hopefully the start of a conversation and, you know, not the end of a conversation. Right. So I know I'm definitely going to have some pretty good conversations in my classroom next week. Awesome. Based on what we're doing tonight, it's great. Well, I want to thank you guys again for um, uh, taking the time and spending this e- evening with us. Uh, I'm grateful. So I'm thankful, you might even say, hey. especially with tomorrow <laughs> being Thanksgiving <laughs> and this drops. <laughs> so thanks again. Hon- honestly, it was... Uh, it was a really interesting conversation. I think a lot of people um, that listen, um, both native and non-native, will get a lot out of this hearing different perspectives, and, and I think they'll find it interesting as well. So I appreciate your time, uh, Mr. Donald. Yeah, I just want to ask one more question. Of course. This is, I'll thank this him again for, uh, afterwards. For them. <laughs> <laughs> um I know that we're getting close to the end of our coursework here and we're going to be working on our dissertations and our projects that we're going to end up doing in the long run. Um, do you guys have any, you guys want to share, or have any ideas of what direction you guys are going to go? Because I believe we only have two more 
semesters of coursework right. and then then we get into the real stuff i guess yeah. so. um well here on the on the menominee reservation we have uh started a um language nest for uh zero to two year olds or we're uh, speaking total immersion to these babies. And um, it's the first time in since the uh, early 1900s that um, Menominee children have been growing up speaking their language or have been you know, being, being spoken to in their language. And um, we're, we're starting to learn how um, young Menominee minds develop when they speak the language. And it's, it's just fascinating to me. And, uh, so I think I'm, I'm going to be concentrating on, um, on how to effectively, um, pass on not just the language, but our, 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 our worldview, our, um, you know, our, our original instructions on what it means to be Menominee, um, I should be saying, right. And, um, and how do we, how do we move forward from not just doing it to the babies, but but integrating that into um, the upper levels, um, do we? And 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 this is what I'm really like passionate about is is finding out a way to not just um, have a um, a language nest that's that's um, exists on its own, kind of like what I was talking about, like in our in our conversations. It's not just in one room that it it becomes a community thing. That um that our community fully participates in um in the language and and revitalizing our language and giving our babies who are growing up in the language the chance to um, speak the language outside of the classroom um, fully in our communities in our stores everywhere. Um, so how do, how do we do that? How do we how do we ha- how does that happen? So I, that's what I'm going to be concentrating on. I'm still waiting on my spirit guides. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I actually don't have a exact answer for you on what I want to um, pursue. I didn't when I entered the doctorate program either. You know, that was one of the questions they asked. And I was like, I don't know. Um, you know, I have... A background working in higher education, but I also have a background working with youth um, at the Boys and Girls Club on the Menominee Reservation. So, you know, I have passions in different areas and I haven't really decided what I wanted to focus on. Um, in a recent training, the facilitator asked us to identify a passion that was near and dear to our heart. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to do was the end of the day and I was tired and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this guy, but uh, <laughs> challenging us. <laughs> How dare he? I know. Um, the goal. But, but one thing that, that I did identify was, um, and that I have spoken about with my family was year round schooling, looking at, you know, creating kind of a chartered culturally based year round school that focuses on, Um, language and culture and a lot of those experiential learning practices that we talk about in our cohort you know the indigenous foods practices those hunting and gathering practices those medicinal plants um, 
all those original teachings, things like that. How do we incorporate that into our communities? How do we get that knowledge into our, our children, right? Have that exposure. Um, and so that's one thing these last couple of weeks I've been mulling over is like, oh, well, maybe this is a project that I may want to pursue. But I, um, I haven't really, you know, decided specifically what I want to focus on. I'm feeling the pressure though, because it's coming up fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I think, uh, I mean, even though you haven't decided, I think you definitely what you what you just mentioned there. That sounds really interesting and and like a definite possibility if it turns out to be a passion for you. Obviously, you you, you have something really incredible there you, that you started with the uh, language nest. That sounds super interesting and and something that. It certainly seems like you could extrapolate out into a dis- dissertation for sure. I mean, Definitely. there's going to be a lot of information coming out of there. Might I point out, I would be available for interview as to why Donald wouldn't put me on the basketball team. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> as a Native American player and an all Native American basketball uh. team. So I would be available. I'm just, that is out there. <laughs> Donald, maybe even for you. <laughs> 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 what about you, brother? What what uh what is your dissertation going to be on? Um, well, I really I have this I have this vision. It's just about bringing it in, and you, you know I want to do something uh, that's a community based healing kind of wellness type of thing where where we have you know. It's going to be kind of like land-based and have language in it and, and uh, you know, gardening. And, like, um, this past semester has really opened up my eyes on how we how we did our projects this semester, how much doing, you, you know, the whether we painted, whether we made moccasins, whether we basket weave, how powerful that was just to have a conversation with each other on certain topics but how centered that kept us, mm-hmm. you, you know, and, um, and even how healing it was, you, you know, and, and, uh, for me, it was just, it's something that I'm going to do community-based healing wellness type of thing. You know, it's going to have like language gardening, you, you know, traditional arts and, you, you know, just where people can come and learn, you know, they don't have to stay, but also have housing if they do want to stay you know, provide a place if they need to come and get away from stuff and just relax, you know, they can just go out in the garden and help or whatever we're doing in the woods or if we're talking about plants, you know, do, you know, plant identification, medicine identification and, you know, have, you know, language in there, you know, any type of language, you know, whatever, who's ever there can, you know, whether it's Ojibwe, Potawatomi, Menominee, Sioux, whatever, you know, it's just a place of, you know, inclusion where anybody can come in there and hopefully get something out of it and connect to the land, connect back to who they were and bring in storytellers and and somehow history into all that too. I think the uh the most detrimental thing that we could do as as a cohort too is is to graduate with our doctorate and then be off on our own in our own little yeah silos you know i think that that what we've been learning um in class and and as indigenous people is how important our community is and 
how important we as indigenous scholars working together on a, on a, on a first nations education doctoral program, the first ever, right. How important it is that we remain community and remain helping each other, um, doing all these things, because I'm interested in, in, in both of your, mm-hmm. your ideas, right. Yeah. And I'm sure you're interested in, in what I'm doing. And, and I think that, that our minds together, um, and not just us three, but, but, you know, us five and us, you know, as, as, as larger you know, indigenous communities, how important that is mm-hmm. for us to stay together and to help each other and, and, and figure out these things together. Uh, yeah, I like your project, Dequa. Mm-hmm. I was I was leaning towards that initially when I started, and it's still kind of in the back of my mind be, with this new position that I took within the nation because that really focuses on community healing, and you know, one of a big vision within that area is creating that safe space where mm-hmm. people can come and get that knowledge mm-hmm. of non-Western ways, you know. So. Um, that's why I'm like, okay, I'm still waiting on my spirit guides. <laughs> I'm your spirit guide. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, you know, that's why I can't give an exact answer because I have passions in all those different areas. And, and so it's hard for me to narrow down on one thing. I, it's hard for me to focus on that. But, you know, it's important that because of the, um, the longevity of that project and that and the dissertation um, process, it's important that whatever we do pick it, you know, it's a close passion because mm-hmm. um, it's going to take up a lot of our time and focus and, you know, time away from our families and stuff. So it ain't, it ain't easy, right? No. no, no, it's not. And if we do go our own ways, we still got our Facebook hey, Messenger yeah. chat group. <laughs> Some deadly memes. Yes, <laughs> Just getting sick with it. <laughs> oh, God. That's good. Awesome. Well, there it is. I mean, it's three students. So the First, Nation, First Nations Education Doctoral Program at UWGB. Uh, thank you again for the three of you. Thank you, Brother Jeffrey, for co-hosting with me. Um, it's been a really exciting episode eight. Yes. So thank you, guys. Hey, why not? They want to hit a Thanksgiving song. Peace. All right. This is uh, this is a Thanksgiving song. I hope you enjoy it. Love to eat turkey. <laughs> <laughs> love to eat turkey. Oh, I love you. I love to eat turkey cause it's good. Love to eat turkey like a good boy should cause it's turkey to eat. So good. That clapping's messing my head up, man. I appreciate it, but I was was trying to think of the next line. I'm like, all I hear is clapping. Here we go. Thanks anyways. Turkey for me.
turkey for you. Let's eat the turkey in my big brown shoe. Love to eat the turkey at the table. I once saw a movie with Betty Grable. Eat that turkey all night long. 50 million Elvis fans can't be wrong. Turkey lurkey do and turkey lurkey dap. I eat that turkey, then I take a nap. Thanksgiving is a special night. Jimmy Walker used to say, Dino my. That's right. Turkey with gravy and cranberry. Can't believe the Mets traded Dallas strawberry. Turkey for you. White meat, dark meat, you just can't lose. I fell off my moped and I got a bruise. Turkey in the oven and the buns in the toaster. I'll never take down my Cheryl Teague's poster. Wrap the turkey up in aluminum foil. My brother likes to masturbate with baby oil. <laughs> Turkey and sweet potato pie. Sammy Davis Jr. only had one eye. Oh, turkey for the girls and turkey for the boys. My favorite kind of pants are corduroys. Gobble, gobble, boo, and gobble, gobble, giggle. I wish turkey only cost a nickel. Oh, I love turkey on Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.